welcome back to the I'm Book Podcast. I'm April O'Leary, the founder of O'Leary Publishing, and I've been thinking lately about how much I love recording this podcast for you. Not only because it's fun, but because I get to learn a lot. So I am learning right alongside with you on many of these episodes because there is always more to learn. And today we have Robin Coluccian. She has been helping world-class experts write world-changing books since 2003. That's 20 years. And in the past two years alone, Robin and her team have helped 14 authors develop, pitch, and sell 14 books for a total of, get this, $5.9 million in advances from reputable publishers. So if you've ever thought you might like to try to tackle getting your book traditionally published, this is the episode for you. Let's hop on in and hear what Robin has to share with us today. Let's get started. But hold on before we get started. If you haven't done this yet, I encourage you to stop what you're doing, stop this recording, and go over to O'LearyPublishing.com right now to pick up your free copy of The Influencer's Path to Successful Publishing, where we help you learn how to craft your book, share your message, cultivate your community, and build your brand. So if you're a professional, if you're an aspiring speaker, if you're someone who has just had an idea and you're not quite sure how to get it out into a book format, we encourage you to download The Influencer's Path to Successful Publishing right now at O'LearyPublishing.com. Go get it. I dare you. Welcome to the iBook Podcast. I am so excited. I was just laughing with Robin Colucci right before we pressed the record button. And I said, hold on, we've got so much to talk about. We've got to jump into this episode. And so here we are. I am really thrilled to introduce you to Robin. And she has a wealth of knowledge and experience that she's going to share with you that none of our previous guests have shared. But we have this mutual connection, Mark Hirschberg, who was on a few episodes ago, and I'm giving a shout out to Mark here to say thank you for the connection and welcome, Robin, to the show. Thank you for having me, April. I am so happy to be here and well, we're already so, having so much fun. I know, right? And so I'm just <laughs> so curious. Tell me about your path into authorhood. Like, how did you start at the very beginning? Well, oh, that, that goes, so uh, genetically, I have a lot of writers okay. in, in, my, in my gene pool, but you probably don't want me to go that far. Okay. <laughs> there was a sperm yeah, and an egg. There's, there's a writing pool. I mean, that's a better gene to have than inheriting like the gene of alcoholism or something, right? <laughs> Although maybe those two go hand in hand. I don't know. Like a lot of writers, who knows? Yeah, Anyways, go ahead. Anyway, so, but skipping ahead a few years. Uh, I mean, but I, I have always had a natural interest in writing. And I, I, when I was getting ready to go to college, my mother suggested that I major in journalism because, and I quote, that way you can get paid to write, which is, is kind of makes me chuckle now because journalism, <laughs> you can't get very, well, you never could get paid very much to be a journalist, but it's gotten worse. So, uh, but in the in the course of that journey, uh, I, I worked obviously for my college paper in the in the literary magazine for my college. But then I was at the Washington Post as a news aide because I went to George Washington University. And when I was getting ready to graduate, the chair of my journalism department recommended me for a job with a New York Times bestselling author who was a buddy of his, uh, who was looking for a research and editorial assistant. And that was my first introduction to working on books. And we did three books in three years, and it was really fun and interesting. He was an expert on espionage, and uh, this was during the Cold War, you know, the, the, the other Cold War between the U.S. and Russia, <laughs> which was then the Soviet <laughs> Union. So, uh, and so it was, you know, it, it was it was always in the news, and it was a big deal, and. Um, Afterwards, he helped me get a job as a newspaper reporter, uh, which where and I moved to Central Florida and worked for this mid-sized paper, 
which I'm not going to name because my next statement is how much I hated that job. (laughs) And uh, I really discovered pretty quickly that I, a lot of the aspects of being a journalist, I did not enjoy, like some things I did enjoy, uh, meeting lots of new people, learning interesting things. I got to ride in a banner plane. Okay, that's fun. And and just, just as an FYI, uh, as we're, as we're flying over the Atlantic Ocean, up and down the coast of Florida, I happened to ask, so what's this thing made of? And the guy, the pilot says, and by the way, we're like this far apart, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm holding up my hands. It, it's a tiny plane. You can only fit two people. And I say, what's this made of? And he says, paper. And I'm like, oh, wow. I'm in a paper airplane yeah. above a giant body of water. Well, like, this is wow. wonderful. Anyway, treated paper. Anyway, I, I digress. So, uh, so there were f- some fun, fun moments, but overall, I didn't like the, the hours. I didn't like uh, the pay was terrible. <laughs> and I just thought, this is not, I don't want to do this. So I got out of publishing. I, I moved to Colorado, another long story, founded a personal fitness training business and grew it uh, and for 10 years and started to realize it's not my thing either. It's been fun, but it's not my calling. And I was going to be a, a a business coach for wellness professionals because I went on to sell that business. And I realized in the 10 years I did that business that wellness professionals by and large are very passionate and great at what they do. And they're terrible business people. Um, at least this is back in you know 2000. <laughs> and so I, uh, I sold that business and, and I was gonna coach wellness professionals. And I did, I coached them. I help one person avert bankruptcy and sell her anytime fitness franchise for $60,000 three months after we started working together. She was about to go bankrupt. So good stuff. Interesting things started to happen, April. Some of my clients started to say, well, what I really want to do is write a book. And I was like, totally can help you with that. And I started helping people with their books and they started to get above average to extraordinary results. And then I re- and then I realized it wasn't publishing I was leaving that I wanted to leave. It was newspaper reporting that I wanted to leave. And so since 2000, I've been back in the publishing game and have gone on to, you know, help a lot of people get their books traditionally published and, you know, a couple of New York Times bestsellers and things like that. So Good stuff. Which is amazing. But you're also an author yourself. I am an author myself. But, you know, honestly, that was that was not my goal. <laughs> I realized <laughs> it was getting embarrassing by 2013. I was like, huh, maybe I should write a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like I was so busy writing other people's books or coaching other people to write their books. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so I wrote How to Write a Book That Sells You. And I think you'll you'll relate to this because it hits on something we were just starting to chat about before the interview, which is the reason I wrote that book in particular about that topic is that a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that the key to being a successful author and the only thing that matters is being a best-selling author. And that has created all kinds of layers of issues. Um, But I think the most damaging is that it it for for most authors being a bestseller is the last thing you need to worry about uh, and especially if you haven't signed a contract with a publisher promising to sell a lot of books <laughs> and but, but and i say that because really the value of what a book can bring to you and to your life is what you do with it it's and whose hand, who buys the book? Or maybe maybe it's not even about who buys the book. Maybe it's about who you give the book to. I had, I had one client who was a consultant who specialized in mergers and acquisitions. And he did both sides of the deal depending on who was his client. And so I helped him with a book. His name's Keith McCaslin. And I helped him with a book called Due Diligence Secrets. And 
in that book, he talks about this is what the acquirer needs to do for their due diligence. And this is what the seller needs to do for their due diligence. And the cool thing is either side could read the book and know not only what to look for, but what to prepare for. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it was a really helpful book. And nobody had done that, by the way. And he self-published the book because there's not, it's not like there's millions and millions of people doing M&A every, every day, you know? So, so he self-published it because it's a really niche topic. But what he did was he utilized that to send to highly targeted business leaders who may be gearing up for that kind of a relationship. And I mean, these are, these are big deals with commissions. You know, you get one book into the right hands, that could be a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollar consulting gig. Mm -hmm. And so does, does Keith need to sell a hundred thousand books or should he just be focused on getting a hundred books a year into the right people's hands? Right. You know, it's so interesting. We talk about that often around here is that how many copies can I sell and, you know, what's going to be my royalty per copy and that kind of thing, because the truth is we all know that the royalties are very minimal at best, even if you self-publish and especially with the rising print costs and all of that kind of thing. But if you think about the bigger picture about how is the book going to work for you, how is it going to speak on your behalf? How is it going to attract the right clients and that kind of thing? So with this gentleman that you mentioned, and he self-published and he's giving out his book in the search for new clients, um, when should somebody differentiate their publishing to go towards self-publishing versus I really want to try to get a traditional deal? Yeah, that's a great question. And before I answer that, I just want to throw in though, even my clients who've gotten multiple seven-figure book deals, I still tell them the same thing. Your ROI comes from what you're going to do with that book. Mm -hmm. even, even when you got a great book deal, it's still the tip of the iceberg. So nobody should be thinking about book sales as the primary revenue stream. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, when you're considering, when you're weighing the self-publishing route versus traditional, the first and foremost thing that I always say to people is do not make this a, an ego-based decision. And I mean that both directions. So some people, like you, you don't want to say, well, I, it just, I just have to get a book deal because anything else, I'm just too good for anything else. And, and you don't, and all, it could be equally bad to say, well, I'd love to have a book deal, but I don't think I could ever qualify for that. And so those ways of thinking of it, just wipe those off the table because that's not the right way to think about it. The way to think is strategically. So I ask certain questions when, when I'm having this evaluation with people. And I tend to focus on how, how big your audience is currently, what you're willing to do to grow it if it's not that big, and how you're going to get those books into people's hands. So if you're in a niche topic like Keith was, and you're going to prime, you know, I mean, you can buy his book on Amazon you know, and, he, and it is selling, but, but the point is that's not why he wrote the book, right? Mm -hmm. um, if, so that would be one reason to self-publish on its own. He also has a highly niched market. It's, you know, like I, like I talked about before. So if you have a really niched audience and it's not necessarily a big audience, but it's a really engaged audience, then you might be better off self-publishing. If or going with a, a, a reputable hybrid press um, such as yours. Uh, so, but if you are, um, if you are, uh, if you need to have, oh, the other thing, the other way, reason for self-publishing would be is if you're primarily, and this could go either way, but for a lot of people, like let's say you don't necessarily have a lot of evidence already that you can sell books, but your main way that you intend to sell books is through speaking, you'll get more money per copy through speaking because you'll sell it in the back of the room and you'll get all the money besides your print costs 
which are rising, but still better than a publisher <laughs> publishing house royalty. <laughs> a lot better. And right? some speakers, you know, some speakers that I know have been able to strike deals with the audience or conference or whatever, where they bulk buy the books, exactly. and distribute them, which I always think is the first, the first option because yeah. back of the room sales are cumbersome and it's hard, you know, and, and totally. it's great. It's and great. you have to have team and stuff to do it. The yeah. other thing that's really clever that I've, that I've advised some of my clients to do, and this is, by the way, whether they have a book deal or not, because sometimes with a book deal, you can also negotiate with the publisher. Like if you know your, your intention is to sell a lot of the books through speaking, sometimes a publisher will negotiate with you and give you a, a good discount on those books, you know, even equivalent to what a bookstore would get. And then um, like one thing I've had, I've advised my clients to do is to, to go to organizations and say, hey, I'll come speak for free if you buy a hundred books, mm -hmm. yeah, right? then, and because especially this works really well for people who do corporate coaching or corporate consulting, because then not only have you sold books, but now you get a chance to go in there and demonstrate what a kick-ass coach you are and what right. an amazing consultant you are, and you can provide value and then you can turn around and sell them the next up level you know, uh, and it makes your appearance as a speaker coming in with a book that every attendee is getting that book, it automatically up levels the perception of the value you have. Exactly, exactly. And so they're already invested. And, and then when you deliver value at that workshop or whatever it is that you're doing in exchange, um, then they get a taste of what you can do. And, you know, to be in the belly of the beast of a whale that you'd like to land is, you know, a good <laughs> I love that term. That's great. <laughs> so in the, in the realm that you play with your authors and you're really expert in getting those traditional deals and very well connected in that traditional publishing industry, which largely to most aspiring authors is a total mystery. <laughs> you know, yeah. how does it work? How can I get that coveted deal? I've heard that I need to have this many email subscribers, this many mm -hmm. Instagram followers, this many Twitter. Like, is it even worth trying to get a deal if I don't have X amount of A, B, and C? You know, so yeah. how would somebody sort of say, you know what? I might be able to try to land something or work yeah. with someone like you. Like, how does that all work? Yeah, it's a big question, but we'll break <laughs> uh questions yeah it, it is i mean and it, it is i can it's it's well, what would be step one step period. one for somebody yeah so step one um is actually even before you decide a publishing route because this often can dictate the route is to figure out what i call is the clear saleable concept for your book and that in order to to know that we have a clear saleable concept, we're checking three boxes. One is that this concept is aligned with you. First and foremost, it's, it's aligned with who you are, what you want to say, what your current expertise is and where you're going next. Because if it doesn't align with you, any publishing route will fail, period. Right. Number two is it has to be a match for your ideal reader. And this is important, what they already know that they want, not what you know that they need, because you don't meet them there. You meet them with what they know that they want. And you need to understand who that ideal reader is. One tactic that a lot of people use, and I think, kind of messes this up is if you, so when I say you got to know who your ideal reader is, do not build an avatar of an imaginary person. That is not what I'm talking about because you will miss the nuance that you need to understand about this person. So the best way to figure out your ideal reader is to think of someone ideally who you know, who you've been in the same room with, who you've had a conversation with. Um, and you want to focus on the psychology of the person, 
more than the situation or circumstances. So psychographics over demographics. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's the psychology, it's the emotional life of people that drives their buying decisions. And that includes books and also how engaged they'll be in what you have to say. Mm -hmm. And so it's about really understanding and we have exercises we lead people through, but, but it's about really understanding what, who that person is and what they want, you know, what's keeping them up at night. Um, and finally, your book concept, your clear saleable concept must be unique in the marketplace. The test that we use to figure out if we've got that or not is if we can honestly say with evidence, this is the first book ever to, and we fill in the blank and complete the sentence, then we know we've got it. And we do that by looking at other books that are already out that were published in the last five years. Don't go back farther, please, because it doesn't matter in terms of the market. If it's, if it's older, it doesn't matter really. Um, although I'd say like if it's the 25 year anniversary edition of a book that's a perennial bestseller, then maybe you can add that to your list. But other than that, no. Um, and we're looking for, okay, here's what the other experts in your field are saying. What are you bringing to the conversation that no one else has done? And I believe whether you self-publish, whether you hybrid publish, or whether you traditionally publish, you must meet that bar, period. So I, I take every single client who comes into our organization through that process, regardless of how they think they're going to publish. In my view, quality-wise and relevancy-wise, there should be no discrepancy between a self-published book a hybrid book or a traditionally published book. The reader should not be able to tell the difference. Now we we know plenty of evidence that that is not the case. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why people work with me, like hybrid publisher, if they choose not traditional, because self-publishing on your own with no help does not result in a high quality product typically. No, it it often does not because you don't know what you're looking at. You don't know what to look for. And the problem, and I'll just digress a minute. I think mm -hmm. You'll appreciate this. And this is a, this is a good plug for, you know, if you, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking for a plug, but go ahead. No, but I mean, but you know, here's the thing that, because there are, you know, book packagers or hybrid publishers who understand the standards. But if you work with somebody who does not, and you end up with a book that say, like the margins in between you know, in the gutter of the middle of the book are go too deep into the center of the book or the headers are uneven or there's a lot of errors and, you know, things that were missed in editorial. Those are, the, and, and there's a hideous cover that just screams, I'm so-and-so's ugly baby. Um, <laughs> you know, the problem is not only that you don't know what to look for, you don't know that these things are wrong specifically or what to tell the person who's doing this to, to give them feedback, to help them correct it. But what's even worse in a way is that the reader doesn't know either. But what they do know when they're reading the book is something feels off because they've read traditional books, traditionally published books that are formatted properly. So they say to themselves, something about this is off, it's wrong. And guess what? They don't know it's the layout. So what are they gonna assume? Yeah, it's you. It's you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so anytime you think about skimping on self-publishing or like if you're going to go with anybody to help you with your self-published book, go to the books, you know, go to your shelf, get some traditionally published books, ask to look at some printed physical copies of books that they've done and you compare mm -hmm. and contrast and you, if that book looks radically different as far as quality, then you know, you can't go with that person yeah. because they, because your book's going to look radically different in quality. And I don't care how much cheaper it is. Just go with somebody who knows what they're doing. Now we, where were we talking? So we were talking about deciding, is that where we yeah, were deciding it? If you're, if you're in the market for any thinking and not just an ego decision, like you said, there are some people who live in a delusional world that they want to keep 
you know, keep their manuscript until they get their, you know, <laughs> they get discovered. It's like the person who sings at a karaoke bar thinking that some producer is going to take them to Hollywood, you know, like, that guys, is so you know. rare that will never happen to you. Just get to work and figure out how to grow your career yourself. Right. But, but for the person who's maybe at that that tipping point yeah. where they could potentially, like you're talking about, you've worked with people who you've really sold manuscripts to big time deals. I mean, well, and that I is, don't sell the deals. So yeah, you don't sell them, but, yeah. you've, but you've helped create the, the content, the awareness that the attractive qualities that the author needs to be able to be seen right. by right. a traditional publisher. And how yeah. do they compare? What do they have different or more or better. Absolutely. Yes. So, so the first thing is they have a clear saleable concept, right? And, and that's why I don't even decide the publishing route until we have that nailed down because some, a lot of times that dictates, like if the clear saleable concept is for a tiny audience, then that automatically puts us in the self-publishing category, right? Mm -hmm. But if, if, uh, if the topic is for a bigger audience, then we're opening the door to, okay, is this author, viable and ready for a book deal, right? So mm -hmm. there's really, the concept is what I'm looking at first, because if this is the concept that the author is passionate about, that's the book they should write. Mm -hmm. Now the publishing route is secondary, but if the concept matches a mass market audience that we can clearly identify, which we already have identified through the ideal reader exercise. Um, and if, the author can demonstrate that they can sell books in a sufficient quality, quantity, pardon me, for it to be worth it to the publisher, then we can go for a book deal. How now, do we demonstrate that? Now, great question. It, it varies. So when people say things like, well, you, your email list has to be a certain size, or you have to have this many followers on Facebook, or whatever it is, this many Instagram followers, actually, those numbers are arbitrary. It's about the package that you put together. And it's also a, it, it also depends on what your topic is. So I'm going to have to stay at this 10,000 or 50,000 foot view. We can't get into the really minuscule stuff, but just some of the bigger ideas to be aware of. If you're writing about health, fitness, medical, or self-help, that's the highest bar for platform. So yeah, if you want to write a fitness book, it'd be good if you have several videos with several million views, right? Or uh, if you've done a, a big TED talk that was very popular, or, you know, again, multiple millions of views, or if you, uh, you know, have 250,000 followers on your Facebook page or more, or a million followers on your Facebook page, because, or, 100,000 names on your email list, because those are the most competitive categories. Now, they also tend to pay good advances too, right? So if you can cross that bar, you know, you're probably looking at multiple six-figure advance or, or even in the seven figures, and we've had clients do both in those fields, but you better have a really big, solid platform. And I'm not joking about this. So- mm. Don't, don't think, don't, don't, don't tell yourself you're going to be the exception because you're not right. It's just, it's so competitive. Um, now, alternatively, writing in the business leadership space is a much lower bar and you can um, have a, a pretty good shot at getting a deal if you can demonstrate that you have avenues to be able to sell books. And frankly, they're pretty happy if you can show, if you give them enough evidence that they'll look and say, yeah, I think they could sell five to 10,000 copies the first year. Very likely to get a deal. Versus self-help, they wanna, they wanna sell 100,000 copies the first year. Mm -hmm. So it's just harder. Yeah. Uh, but, in the business space, if you can demonstrate you can sell 5,000 copies the first year, you're very likely to get a deal. Now, your advance is also very likely to be closer to $30,000 mm -hmm. than $300,000. Right. But 
but you get that gravitas, you get that book deal. And I think that when it really comes down to it, you know, it's not about dollars and cents. It's about, it's about prestige. Yeah. And nothing beats a traditional book deal for prestige and probably, you know, for the foreseeable future, nothing ever will. Mm-hmm. And, and, and sometimes that really matters, uh, not just to the author, but to how the author wants to use the book. True. Now, let me ask you with, with a traditional deal, because I'm sure many of our listeners are thinking of this now, if they were to get a traditional deal, which of course, if you get the advance, let's, say, let's just say you're a business leadership author, you get the $30,000 advance, that's against your royalties. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah. you're, you're essentially paying the company, whoever your publisher is back. So the first 30,000 in royalties um, goes directly back to the publisher. And then from there, how do those um, splits usually work? Yeah. So from there, I think it's, it's still, it's like, I think the author gets like 10 to 15% of the net, mm-hmm. like after the um, the discount to the bookstore. So it's not very much. Um, the reason why it goes this way and what most people don't realize is that most books do not earn out their advance. So most publishers who sign an author and they pay that advance, they don't get it back. Mm-hmm. They don't get it all back. They might get some of it back, but they don't get it all back. And so basically the royalty after the advance is paid is lower to offset the losses because the author doesn't owe the money back to the publisher either. Right. Right. And so the publisher, um, actually, I I was reading an article by an agent recently where he said that if, 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 publishers weren't paying advances, they could probably afford a 45% royalty on mm-hmm. the net. Mm-hmm. But because they are, that's why it's so so low. Because right. the books that and do earn out have to pay for the ones that don't. Right. And so the, um, the rights that the author has or does not have, and this is one thing we talk about as well, if you choose to remain independent and work with an independent publisher or do it yourself, um, you have a little more autonomy on, you know, your author costs to get your copies are usually pretty cheap. Um, and you can do whatever you want, make courses from your books or make a workbook or whatever. Does traditional publishers, do they hold any, any? No, no, you, you have total freedom to do that unless, unless it's specifically negotiated that you're going to share that. Like sometimes I think Harper business, um, sometimes like offer, you know, but, but, uh, you know, offers to like help promote a course in exchange for getting a share of the course. I don't know. I, there's probably other publishers who do it too. Um, but, but no, they, they're just buying the license. And this is important too. You're not selling your copyright. You're selling the license to publish the, your copyrighted material and you always retain the copyright. Um, and that's important too. Don't sign away your copyright to anybody. Um, and so, no, it, it, it does not prevent you from, but you, you hire a lawyer <laughs> <laughs> to carefully go through your publishing contract. Yeah. But because you never, I actually have seen, I'm not going to name names, but I have seen a well-known publisher have a contract, their contract, which does try to do an IP grab and take the co- and take the you know take the rights to the material regardless of format. It's an unusual thing. I've never seen any other publisher do it, but you got you all would have heard of this publisher. So just have just have someone uh, I no not someone a <laughs> not your next door neighbor <laughs> literary specialist attorney read your contract. And this is especially important if you have a business already that where you share information that's also in your book. Mm, Yeah. So So key. Yeah. So be, but if you have the right help and, and, you know, what we do, we don't, we don't sell anything to anybody. What we do is we help people formulate a concept and a book proposal, which is like, let's say 
let's say we look at it and it's like, oh my gosh, yes, this is a perfect topic for the mass market. And yeah, let's go in the middle. Let's say, you know, your platform could use some work, but we think that in the few months it's going to take us to do this proposal, we can give you some coaching and you'll get, we can get you in position, you'll be ready. Mm -hmm. That's actually a very common Mm -hmm. scenario for us. And so far we have a hundred percent success rate putting our clients with agents who go on to sell their books or they get get in a a good way. That's a good segue here because I know that we have people that are thinking like, how the heck do I get in touch with Robin? What can I do? What can I do? Like what's step one? I'm actually thinking I have a book idea. I know I have a publishing company, but maybe I should be telling you what my book idea is. So, um, so what would be their, you know, their step on connecting with you and who are the people that would be the best fit for you? Yeah, I would say great questions. Um, I have a website, robincolucci.com, and we have a little get in touch button. And um, we also have an application on there. And that's the best way, because when you fill out an application, um, we can tell, uh, you know, a little bit ahead of time. Um, first of all, if you're if, if the book that you want to write is even in our wheelhouse, like we don't tend to do memoir. Um, and we don't do fiction, right? So if, you, if you're not hearing this and you fill out an application, we, <laughs> we probably would send you a very friendly email saying, you know, sorry, we're not a fit for you, but you know, here's a place you can look. Mm-hmm. Um, but, okay. And the, the, so how, so yes. Yeah, so I would say go to the website and fill out an application. And we'll be sure to put her website is going to be in the show notes. So be sure you check the show notes, get to Robin's website, read through it, see if it's worth um, where you're at and to, you know, submit an application. You know, I just love that as an author today, there's so many different paths you can take. It is. And for me, I feel like we're in such a really blossoming period for writers because if you think about even 20 or 30 years ago there wasn't as much uh, availability the technology wasn't there you know there wasn't that opportunity to become an author even if you didn't have a platform yet and so today I feel like if you're sitting here thinking I should write a book or someone's told me I should write a book there's really no excuse to not absolutely I agree with that 100 percent. and if you feel like you should write a book then you should yeah. Um, if you are looking for a traditional book deal, there are certain criteria, but it's different for every person, like I was saying. And so, and sometimes we do take people, often we take people on who just, maybe maybe we need to have them tap into their network more because they, they know some people who have big audiences, even if they don't, or maybe they need to do, get out and do more speaking, or maybe they need to get out and do more media or uh, start their own podcast or whatever it is, but based on what they want to do and who they want to reach, we, we also coach them on how they can grow their platform, uh, you know, quickly or not quickly, right? Sometimes I'll say to somebody, you know what, go do this for a year. Yeah. <laughs> Get some momentum and come back. Cause I love you. I love you. And I love your idea. Yeah. You know? So it, one thing to always keep in mind is, um, I was having lunch with Michael Larson. This is like 20 years ago. And he, he's a pretty well-known literary agent. He, he represented the whole guerrilla marketing uh, suite of books. Um, so he's, that's probably what he's most known for, but he's done a lot of other uh, important books. And we were having breakfast and I said, Michael, tell me something. I said, what is the biggest mistake that you see authors make? And he said, impatience. Mm. And I'd say, if you're going for a traditional book deal, get ready to be patient. I mean, we have, we took a client with no platform, uh, and, but he had a good network and, uh, and we helped him conceive his idea, do his book proposal, place him with a literary agent who went on to sell his book that was out within 12 months of, of our first conversation. That almost never happens. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> But I don't know anyone, I I know very few people with this particular person's uh, 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 agility with speed and and their work ethic. So, um, and yeah, and and he was highly coachable. 
and yeah. like literally I would say go do this and like and I and I'd think okay I've got him I've got something to chew on for a minute and then he'd be okay I did it now what you know and I'd be like holy god okay <laughs> um, mercy mercy yeah most of the time it does not go that way and sometimes you it's about you developing yourself before you go for it sometimes it's just about you know hurry up and wait because that's a lot of the publishing industry but anyway basically the book proposal is the next step let's say we take you on as a client and we're like yep that's what we need to do so we help with the book proposal which is kind of like a business plan for a book and we're going to show first the agent and later the publisher they use the same document really um why you why this book why now right and how is the publisher going to to earn back their investment in you and basically it comes down to and i've written about this in my blog you got to do two things you've got to build excitement and remove doubt mm. that's it but you got to do it at every single juncture of the proposal yeah excitement removed out from from your overview statement to your about the author to your sample chapter everything in between you've got to do that every step of the way over and over and over again and i think that's how we've been so successful at, at at helping our clients get signed and then go on to have their books sold so that's that um and then when the book is sold you know we help them write the book typically and um sometimes if we if the person knows for a fact they're going to want to publish that book whether or not they get a book deal we can actually help them save six to eight months off the whole process if we actually write the manuscript concurrently with the proposal mm -hmm. and so sometimes if, if we if they know they're like i'd love to have a book deal but i want the i want this book no matter what then i recommend all right let's let's build them both while we're flying and and uh and we can accelerate generally not just the proposal writing process but also from proposal to publishing we can we can sometimes shave six months or more off of that process because we can turn in the manuscript as soon as the publisher buys it instead of six months after yeah, yeah. which i'm sure they love by the way yeah. yeah yeah i mean it gives them more flexibility i mean i've had publishers sit on a book for five months because they wanted to publish it in the spring instead of the yeah. fall you know so yeah. and, and you have to respect that too you know one of the things that i think is kind of that I want to correct because there is there is this misperception that like well when you sign with a publisher you just give up all control that's not really true uh I mean is it true that at the end of the day the publisher has the final say on your cover and you know your pub date and stuff like that yes it is true that's what they paid for when they paid you the advance but a couple of things to keep in mind is you're also getting a very professional team who's going to be doing this and making these decisions and they know what they're talking about um but also i have never once and i've been working on published books the first published book i ever worked on was you know back in 1986 okay so <laughs> <laughs> so yes yeah, i know so i don't up a little bit more right so i i i have never once had an author with the traditional publisher end up with a cover they didn't love mm -hmm. okay so the publisher or you know a book that they were like ew <laughs> you know so yes the publisher has final say but but what people leave out when they use that as a reason not to go for a traditional book deal is that the publisher wants you to love your book because guess what they need you to love your book yeah or you're not going to sell your book mm -hmm. so i just don't want people to be under the impression that the publisher is like some authoritarian tyrant who doesn't care what you want that it, nothing could be farther from the truth they want you to love that book and everything about it and but if what you want is just awful unlike self-publishing they're not going to let you do it mm -hmm yeah good <laughs> yeah. that's sort of the that's that's the rock and the hard place we come to at some junctures 
because in the hybrid publishing world, we do allow the author to really have the final say because they are our client. You know, we don't purchase the right to their book. Um, you know, we do license it so we can publish it for them because we handle all of that. But we don't, um, like I, I can't give someone thumbs down on their cover idea, even if I don't really like it. Really? I can say, you know, this is probably not, you know, but some authors are very, um, they, they have in their mind what they want. And it would be like, you know, going, my mom is a great example and she doesn't listen to my podcast. I don't think she's been known <laughs> so I can safely give this example. She has always wanted this certain hairstyle, a certain haircut. Right. And she's had the same haircut and it's literally like today in today's world, she will go in and they don't even know what she's talking about she's <laughs> because she's like, I don't know how they don't know what's a wedge, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, you know, that is just not in trend anymore, mom, you know? And so, but you know, if she brings a picture and she shows them what she wants and she's willing to pay them and they'll do it. They will do it. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's sort of the, the trick is, is you know, and, and I also like to say, you know, if you are an author who is not going for a traditional publisher, but you do hire and work with a professional independent publishing company, let them do their job because they're also professionals. You know, our head editor is a Harvard grad. She's exceptional. We have our great designers and such. And so letting go of control and letting things flow, you know, be like hiring an interior designer and saying, but I, I want one check carpeting. And they're right. like, that's really not in, <laughs> I, mean, I guess I could order it for you, but Maybe. why did you hire me? <laughs> you know, so yeah, you I, know. I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, I, this comes up, like if you have getting work on your house, right? Like I've been doing some little modifications to my house and, you know, they're like, well, do you think it should be this or this? I'm like, okay, you are the expert. I hired you because you know what you're doing. Right. And I don't, I think this is out of my domain. I think you should decide. Right. <laughs> and they're and like, know, everybody's oh, cool. With that. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I mean, yeah. And I think, I think that, you know, I've, I've literally had clients. I mean, obviously I can't stop them, but like, because, because when I work with self-published clients, this is, this is, this is exactly what we're talking about is exactly why I beg them. Please show me your cover before you finalize it. I'd like to see what you have in mind. And I have rescued many covers. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, but sometimes they've not shown me or, you know, they've gone on without circling back. I don't know, maybe they thought I didn't mean it. I don't know. Um, and it's been like, ouch, right? But, uh, but yeah, it does. I, I think that it's, it is important to work with the expert and come to something that you can both agree, because really there is a big difference between a professional looking cover and, and a, and a self-published looking cover. And even, I think even people who choose ugly covers know this. <laughs> I, I feel like we, we have definitely given a lot of food for thought today. <laughs> this is, this is, yeah, it's, it's like covered a, a lot of ground. I can keep talking about, I can keep talking, I can keep going. And, you know, there is just yeah. so much nuance to publishing that, you know, most people just don't realize goes into the yeah. entire process. Of publication. I, I, I'd like to also point your listeners if you don't mind because I, I have a blog please I've written it's just it's on my website and and um you can find it it's just robinclucci.com forward slash blog but and I also have a podcast called the author's corner and and so I would encourage your listeners to check those out because I've written a lot of articles about the publishing industry about agents and about you know do's and don'ts and you know just like how to like six things you should never say to an agent, right? Or how an agent gets gets paid. And you know, and and you can learn a lot about what to watch out for, like what's illegitimate, what is legitimate. 
because there's also a lot of scam artists out in this mm. industry, uh, unfortunately. And so a lot of my articles will help alert you to things that you should be aware of um, that could be potentially disadvantageous to you and, un, you know, and unfair to you when you just, cause you don't know better. Yes. So uh, I'd, I'd really encourage your listeners to also check that out. And uh, of course, you know, feel free to do an application. I, I think that is amazing. And so much, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today, sharing your time and your information, your expertise, 20 years of doing what you're doing. Not to mention all of your experience before that, even into the 80s, which is amazing. I mean, the I world has changed so much since The that. older I get, the less I like to admit how many years I've been in public. Right, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, we're getting younger. We're younger than our grandmothers were at this age. That's what I say, you know. Very, well, that's true. That's but true. thank you so much. And um, I, all of your information will be in the show notes. Thank you again for being part of the podcast. And join us next time to learn more about publishing and how you too can become an author. And that concludes this episode of the iBook Podcast. Thank you so much to Robin for sharing her knowledge, her wisdom, her time with us today. I hope you learned something about how to go about traditionally publishing your book. If that's a goal that you have, a vision you have for yourself, there is a path you can take to get there. In the meantime, if you want to publish your book independently, there are publishers like O'Leary Publishing and many others out there who can help you start to build your platform, build your audience, share your ideas, and grow your community. There are lots of reasons to publish a book. So what's most important is that you define what your goals are and what path is going to get you to your goals. I encourage you to reach out to Robin book a session to consult with her and see if traditional publishing might be an option for you. You can find her at robincolucci.com, which is R-O-B-I-N-C-O-L-U-C-C-I.com. And I encourage you to go after your dreams. Don't let ignorance stop you or fear stop you from accomplishing what you want just because you don't have the information today. We've given you the information that you need to be able to navigate that traditional publishing path if that's for you. And if you want to connect with us here with an independent hybrid publisher, O'Leary Publishing is here to serve your needs. And you can find us over at O'LearyPublishing.com. Thank you so much for being part of our community here. We look forward to another episode of the Book podcast coming soon. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Have an amazing day.